it's Kirsty here and it's good to be back. It's so, so good to be back. Season 3, Episode 1 of Two Fat Expats and things are switching up just a little bit around here. Some of you may know that Sarah has a full-time job doing exactly what she wanted to do. She's going to be being a librarian this year. So we'll still hear from Sarah here and there. But in the meantime, I had a few other ideas. Over that very long, hot summer, I was looking at comments from everybody about their moves because that is sort of the time of year that we all tend to move, that European school year. And I got talking to a really good mate of mine, Nikki Moffat. And Nikki is a seasoned expat. Some may say a serial expat. And Nikki was going through something many of you would recognise of she had been in the US and was quite settled there after a few years and was now moving to Hamburg. And her life was painful for her, hysterically funny for me because she had everything happen that we all go through in those moves and I wanted to talk to her and and almost do like a serial podcast where we tracked her move with her and her husband and it was a really great idea and it was all going really well until she actually got to Hamburg because as always seems to happen in these expat moves she got there and had no internet and wasn't going to have internet for a while so the Skype calls and the recordings all got a little bit tough. Now in the meantime Sarah got a full-time job. I finished my job that I was working on that was a full-time gig and Nikki and I got talking and I asked her would she mind joining me and she said yes which was great because today I'm going to get to introduce you to Nikki but also we're going to have a chat about moving and some of those rookie mistakes, but also some things that popped up for her that even after 16 years of houses and countries and kids and jobs, that things that were out of her control. And I think it was really interesting. She's really made me think about whether we actually do get any better at this. I don't know if we do. I'm actually starting to wonder if, if expat life is a little bit like when you have babies and toddlers and tweens and teens that just when you crack something and you just work out how to do it it all changes again anyway enough 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 i just want to let you know that we have got a fantastic year coming up for you guys we've got i think 25 episodes that we've got on a running sheet that look fantastic We've got an expat mag coming your way, which is going to be something that I hope your entire family is going to enjoy, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Why don't I start by introducing you to the very fabulous Nikki Moffat. All right, I'm going to start now, okay? (laughs) Okay. All right. Hello, Nikki Moffat. How are you? Yes, good. And not feeling any pressure at all. (laughs) Now, what did you say to me before? Because I should explain to people that um, you're a little bit worried that Sarah is very loved and that you've got big shoes to fill. Um, Very big. (laughs) Yes. And what did you say to me before about... um, I said, I feel... Yes, I said, I feel a little bit like Ashlyn Kutcher in Two and a Half Men. (laughs) Can you be replaced? 
<laughs> Can there be a ratings? Does it impact the ratings? What will happen next? <laughs> so we will bring Sarah back though, um, and I'm sure of that because um, Sarah's doing something that we've always talked about in that it's great if you can find your passion and then make it work for you in this travelling expat world. And listeners would know that Sarah had tried a few different things and then sort of about, I guess, six months into, you know, our last recording, she then started studying to be a librarian. And so for her, the best thing that could possibly happen would be to get a gig in a school as a librarian. And she's done exactly that. She's actually working at my kid's school. Oh, that's perfect. I know. And my Fred, who's number three, he told me that Sarah's the best librarian there because she actually goes and gets the books for you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Nikki, I'm talking to you from Qatar, but you are obviously now in Hamburg, Germany. That's correct. How long have you been there? I think it's five weeks. Ooh. Might be six. I'm a little bit unsure. I did have six weeks as my cutoff, like six weeks, and I'm looking around my house and I see some boxes and I see lots of paintings backwards against the wall. <laughs> and so I'm going to give myself another week or just pretend it's not six weeks yet. Have you done six weeks because that's the magic baby number? You know when you have a baby and everyone says everything turns around at six weeks? Yes, that's what I did because with my babies, it was about six weeks. So I kind of did that. I used, I met a girl in um, America because Atlanta is where we lived last. And I met an Australian there and she was, she was truly seasoned expat. And she said, well, you know, I always try and have a dinner party after four weeks. And I was (laughs) like, oh, that's that's a good plan. She's like, yeah, you know, it means the paintings are up. It means, you know, the glasses are washed. And I'm like, Okay, okay, that's that's good. And then when I was moving, I thought about her and I thought, oh, Caro, 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 there's no way I'm having a dinner party after four weeks. I don't even know anybody. I don't even have any friends. <laughs> so, Caro, if you're listening, I'm sorry I let you down, but um, I'm going to keep going and uh, hopefully I'll set a new date. Maybe we can have double four weeks because in German, Germany everything takes a little bit longer if you don't speak German. Does so it really? Has it, has it been tough not being able to speak? But you do speak a little bit of German, don't you? Well, you know, in 1993, which is actually a lot of years ago, uh, I lived in Germany just outside Hamburg uh, for eight months. I did an exchange program after university. And I, you could say I could, well, you know, I did study German at school because it's very important in Australia to learn to speak German. Um, so <laughs> I did study German at school and then I came to Germany and I tried to speak German, but when I tried to speak it, everyone corrected me all the time. So I was like oh. horrified at my bad German. And so I didn't actually try to speak very much, but I could understand a lot. But right. then I lost it. And now with, uh, so when we found out we were moving to Germany, I um, downloaded Duolingo onto everyone's phones and iPads. I said, okay, 10 minutes a day, Duolingo. It's meant to be the best way to learn to speak a new language. But what do you know? Duolingo doesn't explain to you the difference between a fractured hip in German and a broken hip in German, which actually just to say fractured hip, you say gebrockenen hüfte. And to say broken hip, you say gebrockene hüfte. (laughs) So if you can tell the difference, good luck. 
Now, the reason, of course, you had to say fractured hip is because that's what your son managed to do very soon into your move. So, yes, we love love him. We are going to keep him. But so when we moved to Hamburg, um, he had an IEP, which is an individualised education plan at at the last school in America. So we had a meeting with the school with the the education, the special education department and the school counsellors, and we said, you know, he's a little bit out, one out of the box and, you know, you never can tell what's going to happen next, but, you know, he, here are all the things that can help. And so we said, well, we'll be in contact with you, sure. Here's my number. Write it down. <laughs> You'll know it soon. And then one day I was sitting in my apartment and uh, Ikea called me because we looked at 15 apartments and houses in uh, Germany and I chose the one without a kitchen. So I was waiting for Ikea to bring the kitchen and they called and said, we'll be there in 20 minutes. I was like, yes, awesome. And then the phone immediately rang again. Hello, Mrs. Moffat. It's uh, from the international school. It's like, oh, hello. Um, You'll need to come to school right now. I was like, oh, why is that? Well, don't be concerned. Your son is stuck in a tree and he can't get out. So we've called the fire department. I said, said, oh, okay. He's not in any pain. Well, he might be in a little bit of pain, but he's okay. We have three staff members there with him. I was like, okay, good to know. I said, just, just one moment, please. Someone will be there shortly. And I hung up the phone and I thought, you know what? I don't know how to call Ikea and say in German, I'm sorry, I can't be here because my son's stuck in a tree. So I uh, called my husband and I said, good news. Um, Two things, just quick things. One is Ikea's about to deliver the kitchen, which is excellent. And the second thing is uh, Zeke is stuck in a tree and he can't get out. And the fire department's on the way and one of us needs to go to the school. And my husband said, well, what do you want me to do? I said, well, you should choose one. And I'm already at the house, so you should go with the school. So we wanted to talk about, does moving get any easier? And here you are, you're a seasoned expat. You kicked off how many years ago? 13, oh, 14 years ago. So Just 14 nearly 14. Yeah. And it was Hong Kong then South Africa, then the States, and now Hamburg. So do you think it does get any easier or not? And and before probably I get you to answer that, I'm going to be really cruel and, and I'm going to play something from when I spoke to you before you'd actually made the move because just so everybody else is aware, over the summer – you and I had talked about your move and how interesting I was sort of finding it. And I was, I really wanted to make a podcast that tracked a move, that talked to a couple. And I wanted it to be a couple because I wanted to get both um, perspectives. And um, I had talked to you about, okay, I want to talk to you three weeks before you go and, you know, just before you go. And then once you get to Hamburg, that's kick it up and we'll do it like as a weekly serial but of course you got to Hamburg and had no internet <laughs> no no internet. Which, is, which is pretty common for that expat thing and um so and then of course 
we had some changes with the podcast with Sarah and I said, well, you know, let's, let's just do it together and we can, we can track your move. So I'm going to now play a little snippet of you and your lovely husband, Sam, um, when you were camped in the basement of your neighbour's house <laughs> in, in Atlanta. And I think you're a, a day or so away from moving. So let's have a listen to that. You know, people think that you're okay about it because you do it all the time. You're a pro, you know, you got this. And I I remember thinking, you know, the first time I did this, I was 32 and I had a baby on my hip and I just like got on a plane and took off and I just had no worries. And then I was miserable for six months. And, you know, I think that's pretty standard, not miserable, but you know, I had a lot of adjustment issues, but now like I've got two kids one a teenager you know and one a tween who's just as difficult and uh, um time consuming and you know and we've got a dog and we've got all these extra things now that we didn't have before and I'm also 14 years older so I kind of think wow it's actually it's a lot it's a lot bigger now to me I mean I'm not scared I mean I know I've done it before but I I just sort of sat back and thought wow this is like this is a big deal (laughs) And I'm just kind of rolling. And have you fought in the last few weeks or has it been a Oh, no, never. (laughs) Domestic violence was going to be evident at one point, but, yeah, no, but we we get through all of that. We we tend to move through it, Kirsten. No, we we do. We we have argued a lot. It just puts a lot of stress and pressure on you. But at the end of the day, we know that we've got the same goal and the goal is to get everyone safely from... And effectively. Now my from, goal is to retire. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but in the short term, in, oh, the, in the okay. short term, yeah. from one country to the next, and we just need to, uh, we're at the stage now that, okay, we can be cross about things that haven't been done or have been overlooked or whatever, but there's no point really because we've just got to get them done now. So Has the conversation kind of changed? I know this is a tough question because you, you have to think back, but when you think about when you were moving and you were young and you just had a baby and stuff and maybe the conversation was about careers and, and things like that, what's the conversation like now when you move? Like how is it different Oh, look, Kirsty, I can tell you, when I, I can remember the day when we made our first move to Hong Kong and Nikki wasn't too sure about it and we had a new baby and I came home from work. And there was SARS. And there was yeah. SARS. There was, there was a lot of things going on. And I came home from work after about, I don't know, uh, about maybe two months having been in Hong Kong and here's Nikki crying at the table and says, I don't like it. I don't like it here. Why are we doing this? Why are we here? I'm finding it too hard. I've got no friends. I've got a baby. Uh, it's too hard. And I said, well, come on, we've got to try and make the most, you know, we, said, we agreed that we wanted to make the most of it and the adventure and all the rest of it. So come on, we've got to try and make the most of it. Well, within two, two months after that in Hong Kong, I couldn't have got her out of there. It would have been, it would have been even going back to Australia for, oh, why are we going, why, we don't have to leave here. Let's just stay here for, we, we stay here longer. So each, each move has come with its own, uh, its own setup. I mean, Nikki didn't want to leave Hong Kong, and I can understand that. I think, from a uh, from a from an ease of living point of view, from a professional point of view, because she was working. Although when we left, that uh, was the GFC, and she was working for a bank. So, you know, there was there was that. 
But, you know, I like the idea of the adventure and I sort of pushed the idea of going to South Africa and this was a new adventure and, you know, come on, let's go and see things. And, and I, you know, she's supportive at the end, but, uh, but of course I still think that there's uh, – she still likes Hong Kong. I mean, I, I sometimes the teaser I'll say, oh, I think there might be a job in Asia. And she just goes, oh, oh, where, where, when is that? Get out of it. No, but – and then moving to America was easy because uh, the lifestyle's easier. So each move comes with its own discussion. But, but no, I think we've got used to the uh, – Nikki's right, we've got older. As we, you know, as it goes on and you get you, – you start getting – you start asking the right questions, you start getting your head around, you know, to make it work what you need to do. So each time you do that, it's – you know what to do. It's not necessarily easier, but you know what to do. How do you feel when you hear that back then? And and do you do you think do you think now that it is easier or it's just different? What is it? Well, yeah, it's hard. I mean, listening to that, the wise words of Sam Moffat, he just says, you know, now we know the questions to ask. Unfortunately, we just don't know them in German. And, and uh, this is honestly, the, every time is different. You know, I could have gone to Pinterest. I've since discovered and downloaded, like, what to do three months before you move, what to do one month before you move, what to do two days before you move. But I just thought, oh, I've done this. i got it. And, you know, I, I really don't. You know, every time is different. And then there can just be one little thing that throws you out. And it just... You know, this time, well, one little thing, <laughs> there can be lots of things, but this time, you know, we had a house. We had never bought, owned a house or property in any other countries, and we, we bought because when we moved there, it was at a low time in the market, and it was going to be a similar price to rent or buy, so we thought, why not buy? And then that way you can guarantee the school district and all that kind of stuff. So we had bought, and so our house is still on the market. So anyone looking for a lovely house in the in the suburban Atlanta with the most amazing neighbours ever, you should just contact me. I'll put you onto a good thing. Um, so there are a lot of extra things involved in that and just things that I hadn't. And we know over the summer we went to Australia because this was our year to go to Australia. So while we were moving, like we only found out or decided we were going to move in May and then in June or in the end of April and then May, June, we were in July, we we're in Australia. And then, you know, we flew back and then got here in August to start school on the, in the, on the 15th. So it just, it was whirlwind. There were just, yeah. And there are a lot of different, there are a lot of balls in the air. I mean, my dad and his wife were here last week and they're like, oh, you're a bit more relaxed now. I'm like, yeah. Cause I'm in Australia. I was just like, I was a basket case. I would break into tears and, you know, it was drama and, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was a difficult time. And I mean, I had, still had a great time and we saw lots of family and friends, but I felt the whole time this underlying sense of, I need to go back and pack up my house and get moving. That's it. Well, actually I packed the house, um, the, the two days before we left. That's right. Three days before we left. Just to yes. add a bit of drama. One of my yeah, favourite things that your husband said when we were talking during that period was he said something that I always think, but I'd never adequately been able to explain it, is it's that thing when you you go back home, for, for us it's Australia, but you go back home and you see all the important people in your life, but you effectively have the same conversation 
with everyone where you have this catch-up conversation before you can have a proper conversation. So people have to ask you the whole, oh, so you're moving to Hamburg and how do you feel about that and what are you going to do there and where are you going to live and where will the kids go to school? And um, you've said it, you know, 25 times in a row because you're seeing, you know, your granny or your aunt or your mum or your dad or your whatever. But Sam said he kind of wished that he had a little recording that he could say, just listen to this and I'll, I'll just grab a beer and I'll come back and talk to you in five minutes. Going home is great and home is a relative term. But, you know, going back to Australia where our home base is and, and was um, is amazing and fantastic. But, you know, there are always things. I mean, even if you're not about to move to another country and in the middle of doing things, you know, going back over a summer or, or a trip is it's difficult because there are a lot of stresses on your time and you want to do the right thing by so many people. And I mean, it's a bit different for you guys now because you've got a, a home, home base there. Yes. Yes. So we don't have to move from place to place and yeah, people can come to us and that definitely makes life a lot easier. So I guess the thing is, when you when you move somewhere and you get settled in and you've been there for a while, you kind of developed uh, your own village, I guess, for want of a better term. And yeah, absolutely. Then, and then those people have their own feelings about you going. And I think one of the interesting things about you being in America is maybe if you're in one of those expat locations where people move all the time um, – we're all used to having to say hello and goodbye, hello and goodbye all the time. But I found when I was in Canada, because I had a village around me who were all mostly Canadians who, you know, bought, we lived on a cul-de-sac and we were really into the community. When it came time for us to go, it was even harder because um, they weren't on that same wagon that we were on. And how did, how did you find how do you find that people were around you? Like what sort of things were they saying to you and what was their reaction to your move? Yeah, I, it's hard. Uh, as you say, people were mostly, I mean, Atlanta is a, it's a fairly, it's, people do move to and from Atlanta, but they're still mainly from the States. Um, so it was very hard. I was very embedded. I mean, I had started, you know, this whole thing in the neighborhood. I was on the board for a couple of years and in the, the HOA. Um, and I had started a WhatsApp group for our area that we called the Hill. So like I, I kind of, one of my friends said to me, you know, you, you just came here and you blew this place up. Cause, <laughs> cause I That's walked so in and American. I was like trying to make friends. I was like, I was just trying to make friends, uh, you know, and I, I, what is I the, wanted, what is, what is the HOA? The HOA is the Homeowners Association. So our neighbourhood was called a swim tennis neighbourhood and we um, had a swimming pool and two tennis courts and we had 94 houses or 97 houses. And we all, every year we paid a certain amount and that meant that the swimming pool was maintained. We had a lifeguard in summer. Yep, the tennis yep, courts yep. were recovered, yada, yada. So anyway, back to my friends. So yep. I had them. They're awesome. I love them. Hello, if any of you are listening, I love you. Um, and they didn't want me to move and I didn't want to move, you know, like you get in a, in a bit of a groove and 
you know, it's hard. And when more people around you are saying, I really want you to stay, this is so sad, this is awful, um, you know, maybe your house isn't selling because you're meant to stay, it's fate. I, I was like, yeah, okay. That just makes and, it I mean, really I, hard, doesn't it? Yeah. It makes it hard. I shed a lot of tears, a lot of tears. I mean, at our at our farewell party, um, I, I cried. I couldn't finish what I'm saying. That's just not me. I don't, um, that's not me. I, I don't roll like that. But it was just, it was lovely and hard. But then towards the end, you would, you have to acknowledge yourself, you are going. And so I was on Facebook doing things like, you know, trying to buy secondhand washing machines, which is a whole other thing. Because if you buy a secondhand washing machine, that's an excellent idea. And then you get your husband to deliver it, to pick it up and deliver it because he's already moved. And he, it's like the most difficult task he's ever undertaken in his life. <laughs> Um, and then, and then he gets it there and he gets it hooked up and then you arrive and you're like, right, well, so how do I use it? Cause it's all in German. <laughs> so all the, <laughs> everything on the washing machines in German. So I guess it's that so, geographical schizophrenia again of sad, sad, sad. I'm saying goodbye to my friends, but then I need to be, I need to have one leg in my new destination where I'm looking for it. A fridge. I'm looking for secondhand goods, and I'm also keeping an eye out for any potential new friends and where I can find new friends. But oh my gosh, I'm so sad because I'm leaving my old friends and and not wanting. I reckon the theme too is not wanting to talk too much about the next life when you're still in the old life. And and that's true. And that's so hard. Like I would sit there giggling, and they're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm on Facebook. There's just this group about mothers in Hamburg, and I asked a question about what's my target replacement, and they're giving me some feedback. And they're like, "Oh, well, you don't need to replace target because you're here. You're going to stay here." <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah. it is. Hard. I mean, they. You know. It's fine. We're, I know we're going to stay friends. I know we will because I've done it before and I've got friends from every country I've been in. So I, I know that I'm not going to lose contact with them. And I mean, they're, they're a really important reference point in my life. And I'm not, that's never can be taken away from us by a plane trip. You know, like that's, yes. it is what it is. But, yeah. but it is hard. And I haven't really, I've just been sort of messaging them, WhatsApping them. I haven't actually called them because I... I'm a bit scared because I still don't have friends here yet too soon. And, you know, that that goes through the ages because I remember my eldest daughter, Lizzie, going off to boarding school and the same thing. She said, I don't really want to share any pictures or um, really talk too much to my friends until I've found some new friends that I can talk to them about. Do you know that I can show them that I'm, yeah. I'm okay? And that's so true because you know the first question is going to be, you know, have you met anyone and <laughs> how's it going? And, yeah, you don't want I to know. be like, no, I have no friends and I miss you. Well, the other night I was making my, it was my daughter's birthday and um, she would like cupcakes to take to school. And I said, okay. So I was making cupcakes and then I realized I don't have any mixes. Like my appliances were American and of course America, rest of the world. Anyway, um, that's my thing. The different voltage. So I, I looked at, very closely at my little hand mixer and it said, no, this device will explode if you plug it into a 240 volt outlet. So I went, oh, my God, I have to cream butter and sugar with my arm. (laughs) And I was WhatsApping with my group of hill people in America, and they're like, 
you know, I said, I don't have any neighbors to ask to lend me one that I know will have one. And they're like, oh, one of my friends was like, get over it. The Amish do it every day. I was like, oh, hush, <laughs> hush. But it was like I was still there. You know, it was just the banter backwards and forwards with, you know, a group of really amazing supporting fr- supportive friends. But they're like, you know, and then I was taking photos. I'm like, oh, Pinterest, it's not. And they're like... Oh, is Pinterest big there? You know, I was like, I don't know. Could be. I'm sending them to school anyway. So anyway, it, it, it's just kind of like that. So I still feel really connected to them and, and I hopefully they feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. Now, we've got something exciting that we want to talk about um, and that is we're going to do a book group. Um, but just before I talk about that, I want to talk about this very nifty thing that, Nikki, you have managed to do on our website that I had lots of fun playing with last night when I got home. I'm Um, so nifty. You are nifty. Nifty Nikki. (laughs) Nifty Nikki. (laughs) So Nifty Nikki has put a little tab on the Two Fat Expats website. So you just go to twofatexpats.com. And if you want to talk to us and give us any feedback or phone in and sort of talk about your move or how your move is going or what you think you've learnt or any lessons that you have. Um, And even if you agree that it doesn't get any easier because there's always different obstacles along the way, um, you can click on the little tab on the side. What does that little tab say that's on the side? The little tab says, hi there, I think. (laughs) Press this to talk to us or something like that. something like that. Something it like that. certainly says hi there, hi there. Yes. And even if you just say, because I've spent this whole episode kind of talking about myself and introducing myself, even if you just say who you are and where you are and what you're doing when you listen to, to the podcast. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, and I guess that's one thing that makes it a lot easier, doesn't it, than having to comment or do whatever. But if you do, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so, yeah, just push the button and then I think you can record a little message and it's almost like you've left us a little phone message. That's right. It says, actually, I've just had a look, it says, say hi, send us a message and it's got a picture of a microphone. And good news, everybody, you can delete and re-record as often as you like. (laughs) Because when I was practicing last night, I recorded about 15 times before I would send one just to Kirsty. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so book group. We are going to read a book every month and uh, and review it. And this is why the little tab on the in web that you can send us messages will be very very useful um and we're having a chat i i have had a book by my bedside for the longest time and it's called diplomatic incidents and it's been written by a woman called cherry denman i never know if it's cherry or sherry i think it's cherry it's a very she's English, so I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, it's it. She's English, and it's a very kind of American-sounding name, isn't it, Cherry? It is. Yeah, I think she's a children's author as well. Oh, is she really? Ah. I think so. So it's called Diplomatic Incidents, and it's memoirs of an undiplomatic wife. So I think Cherry's story is is that she's travelled around the world with her partner, who was part of the embassy, and. I've had so many people tell me to read this book over the years um, where I guess because I blog and I blog about expat issues, people automatically when they hear that say, oh, have you read 
Cherry Denman's book, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I hadn't. Um, and so... Uh, now we're going to force you to read it yes. so you can talk about it. Well, a year or two ago, it's actually over a year ago, a really beautiful friend of mine who I made here in Doha who I just love, Dana, um, and Dana might possibly be listening, but she had been in Doha for a long time and she moved back to the States and on the day that she left, she handed me the book with a beautiful card inside, sort of saying thank you for being a friend and some of the things I'd written. But um, anyway, I've got it and I'm going to read it now. And Nikki, so are you. I am. And in fact, I've already started reading it. <gasps> I've, read, I've read the first chapter. Now, is it wrong if we, we can't talk about it now, though, can we? We've got to wait. I don't think we can talk about it, but perhaps a little snippet so yes. that people sort of know the kind of writing and what kind of things it might talk about. Okay, give us a snippet. Okay, so I'll give you a snippet in my best reading voice. Uh, this is from the first chapter, I think. It is altogether different making a home in a strange place knowing that your life, your children's lives and your heart are now part of it, that your happiness depends on you making it work. It is hard. It is exhilarating and I'm gloriously bad at it. What keeps me going are the crowds of slightly lost, homesick, wonderful women I have found wherever I've ended up. Each one is creating her own small version of her homeland around her and wearing it like a protective snail shell, trying to make the puzzles of everyday life a little easier to cope with. The simple cry of, does anyone know where to buy loo paper, can bond a group of women in a matter of seconds. <laughs> and that, I think that's very true. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Oh, she writes well, doesn't she? To, yes. To well, me, I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, yes. yeah. To me, I, um, I can't help but read it with a really, really plum British yes, accent. Yes, well, I can't do that. But, yes, yes in my head, it, that's what it is. Yeah, it kind of screams of it doesn't it she it does yeah 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 and she's a diplomat's wife so that's all you know she goes to fancy parties and yes yeah so maybe she's not everybody's expat but we can discuss (laughs) (laughs) and that's the whole point that is the whole point so please 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 everybody i'm going to take a picture of the cover and put it on um the web on our what do we call them our show notes and i'll put it up on the facebook page too but also you'll be able to buy it We'll have a link, an Amazon link, up on the Two Fat Expats page and the Four Kids 20 Suitcases page so that you can buy it. Because I think you can only load it on your Kindle now, can't you? Uh, it's Yeah, it's out of stock at the moment at Amazon.com, but the Kindle you can, can get. Yeah. And if you don't have a Kindle, which I don't, I have a Kindle app, so I just read yes. it that way. Same here. I just have the Kindle app on my iPad, which is kind of how I read everything now because obviously living in the Middle East, the written word is sometimes hard to gain. (laughs) Well, you know what? And now I understand because one thing I love about Hamburg is such a beautiful city. It's so pretty. Well, the sun is out. People keep saying to me, winter is coming, winter is coming. I feel like, you know, I'm on Game Game of Thrones. Thrones. But um, there are so many bookshops here and which, you know, in America, there's not really many bookshops anymore, but, and in Australia, I think not, not so many either, but everywhere you go, every, there's a bookshop and I walk in and I'm like, oh, a bookshop. Oh, oh, wow. It's all in German. 
<laughs> but I do love that they're there. Oh, dear. Now, usually at about this time of the episode too, we talk about our favourite podcasts or books or TV shows or whatever. Nikki, what are you listening to? Well, I'm, I've been listening to prepare for this podcast. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started listening to the Mamma Mia Book Club podcast and I listened to a couple of them. And the one that really I was interested in was um, the one about um, The One Who Got Away by Caroline Overington, mm-hmm. who's an Australian author. But she's just been living in the US. So this is her new book, The One that, Who Got Away, and it's based in the US. So based on my ongoing love affair with America and Americans, um, I decided to download that as well. But I haven't started reading it because I want to read the diplomatic incidents first. Do you know what's funny about that is I only this week listened to an interview with Carolyn Ivington. She was interviewed by Mia Friedman. And they're, they're friends, so it was kind of really interesting to sort of hear, you know, two good mates have a chat. But I didn't realise with Carolyn, is she... Um, she wrote a book years ago. She actually lived in New York. Um, this is her second stint of living in the US. She, and okay, she had, I didn't know that. Yeah, and she had twins, like babies twins uh, in New York, and she wrote a book about that, which is evidently a huge hit, but it didn't get sort of reprinted and marketed properly. Um, okay. But anyone I know who's read it says it was brilliant. Anyway, then she went back and, you know, she obviously worked as a journalist in Australia and she's a very well-known and well-renowned journalist. She's done... Yes, you know, she's and she a, writes about the family court, which is very... Yes. She's written some terrible, like, terrible stories. Yes. She's oh, written incredibly well about, yeah. Um, and, yeah, because she wrote, she followed the story about that poor child who was... Um, thrown down the mine in Cooper Pedy and it was can you oh my god that that truly is one of the most heart-wrenching awful stories of a joint custody child taken driven halfway across Australia and then the parent threw them uh down a mine uh, in Cooper Pedy it was just awful 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 story um I remember reading the 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 take of that in the Australian, she um, the weekend yeah. Australian, yeah. But anyway, she what I didn't know about her, and one of the stories she told in the interview that I thought was really fascinating was she had interviewed Oprah, and she talked about what it was like to go to Harpo Studios and sit with Oprah opposite Oprah yes and she said she prepared you know furiously and one of the things she was fascinated about with Oprah was that Oprah had had a child when she was 14 and she in Carolyn Ovington's mind she saw this as the turning point in Oprah's life that Oprah had had a really tough upbringing, um, that she was a victim of incest, that she'd been abused um, and that she got pregnant at 14. She had this baby prematurely and lost it. And the baby was sort of taken away. It was never named. She, um, I don't think she even held it. And um, Karen was saying that in her mind that that was when Oprah kind of switched her life around and moved on. But when she was in her 20s, one of her own family blackmailed her with the story and said, we're going... About the baby. About the baby. They said, we're going to tell the world about what you you did when you were 14 and this baby. And she really thought her 
career was going to be over and it, and it obviously wasn't like it came out and it was addressed <laughs> she did okay after that she, she did kind of okay you know pretty well and um, she but the thing that I this is where the story I think gets kind of goosebumpy is Carolyn was as a mother really wanted to say to Oprah have you named the baby because you know because in in Carolyn Ovenson's mind at you have to until you own it and and deal with it you know it's always going to stay there and mess with you and you know that you have to name the baby and you know recognize it and all of that sort of stuff anyway she she asked her did you name the baby and Oprah said no I didn't um I didn't feel I had the right to and which was just awful but then where it gets kind of spine-tingly, is months later, Oprah goes to Australia. Can you remember that? There was that huge to-do. Yes. She went to Australia. She took a jumbo jet full of fans with her. Yes. And she stood on the Opera House and, you know, outside the Opera House. Nicole Kidman sang and Russell Crowe sang. and Yes, Keith Urban maybe. I don't know if Keith Urban was that big then, but anyway, they all sang. But it was this huge thing that Oprah took this, you know, jumbo jet load of people to Australia and, and it was I a met a lady I played tennis against a lady in Atlanta that went on that tour no yes okay <laughs> so imagine this months later Carolyn Ivington is standing at the Sydney Opera House listening to Oprah talk and Oprah stands up and says a journalist interviewed me in America Um, months ago and asked me if I had named my child and I said no but today I would like to tell you that I would have named that child and I think she said Canaan was the name and and it had some really special meaning which I'm ruining because I I am getting goosebumps with you telling me this (laughs) and Carolyn was just standing there watching her say this while she was in the audience can you imagine I mean no I mean that you had that much impact on someone who just yes yeah then did it back to you yes so yeah so I thought I I thought it was a really interesting interview so that's one I would listen to too and that's a that again is another Mamma Mia podcast, but it's the Mia Friedman. I think it's called. Is it called Unfiltered? Unfiltered. Or, I think yeah. They're called, yes. So they're called Unfiltered, and the actual interview itself is Carolyn Overington. And yeah, she goes on to talk about a few other things. She's been to Ellen, and she's. Um, but she talks about being in the US for those uh, at that time with her twins, who I think are now sixteen, and then coming back to Australia and sort of what she's working on. And, well, and I'm totally going to go read that. Yes, I mean, listen to that. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good one. Now, tell me what else is going on in your world. Well, what else? I mean, I'm a little bit also German focused. So I was reading a "There's a bin for that." What I learned about recycling in Germany, which was an expatriate article on the Wall Street Journal. Oh, yes. Um, so the Wall Street Journal runs the expat series, and, and this was under the subtitle Expaticate. And I Very read clever. it with interest because there is about 55 recycling bins when you go outside. <laughs> and this girl who'd written this article said, the best way to get to know your neighbours is to put um, recycling items with your name and address in the wrong bin. 
because they come and knock on your door and tell you that's the wrong bin. <laughs> and that seems par for the course so far to me. So um, I go out to the back. We live in an apartment building. We live on in the attic. We call it living in the attic. We're on the third floor up. There's 90 steps. I know you said you had 167 in Libya. <laughs> I think you said that to me. I only have 90, so I'm loose. Yeah. Um, and you don't, so 90 a, steps. you don't have a baby and a, and a stroller and a two-year-old as well, but you do have a child with a fractured hip. So I think we do have a child on crutches. <laughs> That's right. Who wants every day wants to write to the uh, landlord and say, can we get a lift installed? But anyway, I said it's, it takes longer than four weeks and that's how long you're on crutches. But every time I go, because when you leave the apartment, you have to think, have I got all the things? And you have to take your rubbish with you. So you take it out the back. And there seriously are like 10 bins and they've all got names and, and not many pictures, but a lot of detail in German. So I just like look in them all and see what I think goes where. And the first day I went down and did it, and then I went back the next day or two days later or whatever, and I opened the bin and my stuff had been taken out and put somewhere else. <gasps> so thankfully I had not had anything with my name and address on it. <laughs> Otherwise they could have brought it back. But I read with very interest and great detail the article and I am endeavouring to put all her tips into practice. <laughs> I was about to say, you know that Seinfeld episode where they had the soup Nazi? I was about to say, oh, you've got the bin Nazi, but that's a really uncool thing to say in Germany, isn't it? <laughs> It's very uncool. But, you know, Germans, they're very direct people, so it's fine. We say Australians are direct, but, but we kind of have a self-depreciating humour about our directness in a way. Mm. And I, I, don't, I, I don't understand German humour yet. I'm working on it. But I, I just one quick funny story is that um, we wanted to go on a – we live by the lake. There's a beautiful lake in Hamburg called the Ulster and it has all these canals and uh, that go off the back of it and people have their houses. There's actually more water in Hamburg. We're called the Venice of the North. We have more canals than Amsterdam in Hamburg. Anyway, so I called one morning, one Sunday morning, we decided we were going to go on a, on a boat tour. So I called, I went to a website that was in English and, and had a number of, to call for the for the boat tours and I rang and the lady answered and she was in German and it's a tourist tourist destination and I said oh uh good morning uh so I can see English nine and she hung up the phone <gasps> and I was like <laughs> my husband was sitting beside me and he goes right that's it then <laughs> we should just go I was like, so we went down and we went on the tour and it was beautiful and awesome but I was like it was so funny because that was like a tourist information place and I just called it and, uh, yeah, anyway. So it, it's just a thing. Like people say, like one of the things that people said to us is, it's fine, you'll be able to get by just using English. We have the intention of learning German and we are learning German and um, I do try and speak it a little bit more, but it, it's just so funny because it's just like a straightforward, do you speak English? No, I don't. <laughs> the conversation is now over. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Okay, so my podcast uh, for the week is one I listened to a while ago, but it is still sticks with me. And there's a podcast called The Well, uh, which is Rebecca Sparrow, who is a brilliant um, author and writer, and Robin Bailey, who is on the radio. I love her. Yeah, I love Robin Bailey too. And um, 
you know, probably, unfortunately, Robin Bailey is also well known because she lost her husband um, in traumatic I know, and that's sad that that's how I know her. Yeah. But then I've listened to her since and I really enjoy yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's brilliant. Um, so they have, um, and, and I, full disclosure, Beck Sparrow is a friend of mine and she writes great uh, books for teenage girls. And um, she also, you know, obviously writes stories for women and she's phenomenal. But so they do this uh, podcast called The Well, which is kind of about, I don't know, enriching your life, I guess. Like how you yeah, I was with... sceptical when, when you talked about it and then I went and listened to some episodes and I think they're fantastic. Yeah. So did you listen to the one that they had on exercise? Yes, I did listen to that one. Okay. So just for the people that haven't heard it, basically it starts with what you think is going to be your everyday podcast telling you why you need to exercise or tips on how to yeah. exercise and you find out that Rebecca doesn't really like to exercise and that Robin absolutely thrives on exercise. And Rebecca is very honest about what she finds hard to motivate her and Robin talks about why she is so motivated and you're kind of listening in and you're thinking yeah 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 and and you're if you're like me you're thinking yep I see all of Beck's issues and why she doesn't want to with kids and you know her life and whatever and then I imagine if you're a full-on exercise person you would be listening to Robin going yep that's how you do it yeah and and Robin's like oh but I can give you some tips Beck it's all going to be fine you know I'm going to help you yeah, I'm going to help you and this is going to be great. And uh, But at the same time she sort of says, I don't get why you'd want to do anything you don't want to do, like why you can't just give up. Yeah, and, say, and she says, me. you know, you actually do exercise, you know, all the incidental stuff you do with your kids, walking them around, taking them here, doing them there, lifting them up. She said yeah. that's all exercise. Because Beck is married to an obstetrician so he's on call a lot and so it's busy. But then at about the 15-minute mark, There is a massive change. And I don't know about you, but it had me in tears when Beck did it because I just wanted to give her the biggest hug. But 15 minutes in, Beck has this massive revelation of I know what I hate about talking about this and doing this podcast and why. And the phrase she uses is, I live in a society that profits from my self-doubt And it's so true because she says, you know, that everywhere around her there is there are constant messages that her size just isn't good enough. And and she says that she's I know, and her size is not very big. I know. And that's that's no. not big. Yeah. And um, like she said, I feel like I'm waging a war that says to me that I can't be a size 12 to 14 because I guess, I mean, I would be so happy to be a size 12 to 14. <laughs> That's an American yeah. size 8 to 10 but just I, for our yeah. American listeners. Yes. <laughs> but I guess what Beck's saying is she's not the perfect slim gym. She's probably, um, you know, more a... I don't even know. I hate naming people fruits because <laughs> nobody is truly the shape of a fruit. But you can be called a Slim Jim, which yes. is some kind of like pepperoni <laughs> stick. But she is, um, you know, she's not that stick thing pencil. She has curves. Um, and she said that it is a rebellious act to like herself every day 
because there's all of this messaging all around her and that she thinks, no, I'm fine, I'm absolutely fine, but she feels like she's fighting this war. And I I just really, really agreed with her and thought it was fantastic what she said and decided that I am actively going to make a rebellious act to be happy about my size. And while I'm now, you know, I'm back sort of now that I'm not working full time, I'm back to exercising more and I'm probably look up, looking after myself a hell of a lot more than I have for the last year, which is ridiculous, seeing that I was diagnosed with breast cancer last year. I really <laughs> probably should have started. You probably should have had a year of looking after yourself, Kirsty. Yes, I know, but I just didn't. I went completely the other way which is a whole different episode, I guess. But anyway, I would I would urge people to listen to that episode because I thought it was really well done and really well said and it kind of inspired me. When I had my swimming lessons yesterday and I had to do the walk from the pool, you know, back to the tower where you're thinking, oh, God, I hate doing this. Um, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I strode to my tower confidently. Strode. Yes, can you can you stride strode stride? I don't. Yeah. I'm not sure what you're doing. But what did you learn at swimming lessons yesterday, Kirsty? Well, it's kind was of, it swimming training or lessons? Well, Are you improving your stroke? It, like how's it, your backstroke? It, it's swimming training, but she does give you lessons. So she makes you stroke do, correct. Yes, makes you do all these drills and things. So we swam a kilometer. Oh my goodness, that's excellent. Yes. Um. So and then my movie which is for anyone who's about to jump on a plane or just wants something really easy, 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 is um, have you seen Me Before You? Yes, I did. And I spent the whole movie not realising who was the star of it. But she's the girl from Game <laughs> of Thrones. Because she did not have her blonde hair. Yes. And as soon as it's said at the end, I spent the movie going, God, what is this girl in? I, she's so familiar. And then it said Amelia Clark at the end and I went, Oh, my God, it's Amelia Clark. Now, I've only watched one episode of Game of Thrones. So What? I know. Who are you? I know. I we know. can't be friends. I know. I have to do it. I have to get into it. But I remember her from that episode, and she was not anything like uh, what she's like in Me Before You. Uh, no. No. <laughs> so Me Before You, easy, easy peasy movie to watch very sugary sweet and totally unrealistic in the fact that he's a quadriplegic with stacks and stacks of money so I'm pretty sure if it was real life and he was a quadriplegic it maybe wouldn't have been such a pretty movie to watch right um right but, yeah um, but it's, very, it was based on a book which was very very yes. popular see I didn't read the book did you read the book oh yeah I read the book in book club in my book club in Atlanta <laughs> Ah, and I just, I love This is why I, we need I a book club, Kirsty. <laughs> yes, this is why. Okay. But I did love the ending and I'm not giving anything away by saying there is a huge recurring discussion, I guess, throughout the movie about euthanasia. And, um, yeah, I thought it was a great, great ending to, and I'm guessing <laughs> the book's the same. The book does have the same ending, um, which, you know, makes it not a traditional rom-com. So, yes, <laughs> so that was the thing. When you think you're reading just a chick-lit book, but there is this underlying tone of the whole time about euthanasia and, yeah. Yeah. All right, Nikki, we have been going for a long time now for our very first episode back. So um, next week, what have we got coming up again next week? I think next week we're talking about your expat life is not my expat life. 
which yes. is so true. And um, I guess if it was like Cherry Denman's diplomatic incidents, I don't think my expat life is like Cherry's expat life was somehow either. That could be true. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I will see you next week. And yes. And don't forget to leave us a message if you do want to on the twofatexpats.com site. You just yes. click the button and say hi to us. Yes. And if you don't want to leave a voice message, please, if you could leave a rating or a review on the iTunes site, because we'll be back trying to get back up into the charts again so people can find us. Um, and yes. yeah, feel oh, free. From the to. charts, but not from our hearts. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. Well, I'll say goodbye for now and I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.